across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pints. My wife's cakes are selling up hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavour with the return of the full team of Alan Alder, Sue Bailey and me, Matt Bentman. And a big welcome to all the new students at Cambridge's universities and all the returning ones too. If you're new to Cambridge, we hope you'll enjoy the food and drink that the city and the surrounding areas have and that you'll enjoy hearing about it here on Flavour. Yeah, as in other parts of the country, pubs, cafes and restaurants are having a hard time, though perhaps less so in the Cambridge area. And today we'll be visiting two pubs that have bucked the national trend and successfully reopened following very different approaches. And we'll be visiting a cafe that has adapted nicely to current demands. We'll also be looking at some great local food, finding out how to increase your enjoyment of cheese with Susanna Watson of Meadows and how to get the best out of prime fish with fishmonger Ben Roberts. And we'll have our usual rundown of where you can get free food in Cambridge, local food and drink news, and at the end of the programme, local job opportunities. So, let's begin. The Green Man in Grantchester has long been one of my haunts, so I was rather sad when it closed a few years ago, and I wondered if it would ever reopen. In a village with three other pubs and a gin distillery, there's a lot of competition. Happily it did earlier in the year, and I'm back in there. I spoke to its new co-owner and chef, Barry Vera, about how it's going and what special events they have coming up. It's been quite a journey, been very well accepted by the locals and still been quite discovered by many locals surrounding areas of the village as well. I mean, the place was closed for three and a half years and I think there's still a lot of people out there who still come in every week and go, we didn't realise it opened or we'd heard it just reopened. And they love what we've done with the place. We've obviously renovated all throughout on the inside. I think originally when we first opened, we hadn't even touched the back area at the moment. So we've now put a terrace out the back, which holds at about probably 50, 60 people. We have live music out there every Sunday from four until seven. Uh, we've redone all the bar at the back there. So we have a bar and a grill kitchen at the moment um, that we've just recently developed out there as well. And we've completely, I suppose, should we say refurbished or redone all of the garden, which was a task in itself. And I didn't actually realise how big the garden was. Hopefully for next spring, I want to put in a, a chef's garden so we can grow some vegetables and herbs ourselves, which would be really, really nice. And then with the menus, uh, you know, I think I mentioned in the early stages when we were opening, the idea with our restaurant menu is it's always evolving. So every three to four weeks, we change one or two dishes because what I'd like with that is rather than having a majorly extensive menu, is this variety, there's always something new happening because we're creating every week, we're testing every week in the restaurant. And, and then for the bar menu, pretty much similar really so that menu is also evolving as well but what we've stayed away from is what everyone else is doing so 
shall we say, not always the burgers or the fish and chips, which is not a bad thing in a sense, but we want to put something on that's a little bit different from the norm and, and everything's handmade on site. So what about the menu that you've got, for example, in the restaurant this week and potentially what it will be next week? It was really important to me that actually it is a seasonal menu and it's reflecting that. So with ideas of things like uh, venison tartare, we were going to put venison on a few weeks earlier, but I wanted it to be in season. And now we all know steak tartare and, and everything else, and we don't have the raw egg yolk sitting on top of this. It's a little bit different. We do spice mix with a, a blackberry vinegar. We pick blackberries from the back outside on the meadows. We've added uh, those into, we've made our own um, vinegar with that. And then we do a kimchi paste and Dijon mustard and we make that into the mix and that gets mixed into the venison tartare mix itself and with that we've made a pickled walnut ketchup and a mushroom mayonnaise and we've had quite a big response to it actually because I thought this might be one of those dishes that is slow moving and we'll play it by ear it's been quite popular actually and everyone who's tasted it gone oh my god it's nothing like beef tartare it's, it's beautiful but one thing we do focus on is the vegetarian so there's always a vegetarian option our menu's only five five and five so we need to have fish meat and vegetarian we've got some beautiful autumn mushrooms um, on the menu with a, a guinness beignet you know fitting in with the pub and we do a mushroom pate that goes through that and an apricot chutney and pickles pickled mushrooms people have asked us about pie Oh, well, I didn't want to put a pie on, so I've put a posh version of it on. So it's a venison pativier, and nice. what we've done with that is we've braised oxtail and beef cheek, slowly braised with root vegetables, and then once it's cooked and it's really tender, after about six hours we pick it, and then we finally chop up all the root vegetables and put all of that through that, and herbs, and then we get a fillet steak, 100-gram fillet steak, sear it so it's rare, and then we pack all of that around it, almost a bit Wellington style. Mm. Then encase that in Savoy cabbage. And then we encase it in pastry. And then we bake mm. it. So your, your steak perfectly, ideally, is cooked pink. And then it's just baked to perfection at that point. And we do it with a Bordelais sauce finished with bone marrow. Duck. Duck's always popular. And we've done it as a beautiful uh, duck breast with fennel and orange and, and lovage and a Madeira sauce. And it's just, I think it's an elegant dish. It's going to come up on a, a wine dinner that we're coming up at the end of the month, um, but beautifully executed. How many co coffee? Who's coming in for coffee at this time? <laughs> Buy alcohol. Oh, Unless it's the film crew. Oh, could well be. Yeah. 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 Finishing the day on our drink. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, of course, because, uh, of course, they've, they've been filming in Grantchester today for, for Grantchester, yeah. haven't they? Yes. So. Yeah, no, they've been filming pretty much most of this week so far. It's been great. It's great to have them. They were filming a, a number of weeks ago, and we did the rap party for them, actually. So we got to meet the cast and got to chat with Robson Green, and we've connected up on social media and everything else now, who's a big foodie, I didn't realise. I think the Grantchester series has obviously brought a lot of highlights to Grantchester in itself. So that's exciting. But back to back my... To cod. Back to cod, yeah. So it's a beautiful cod fillet, and we make a, a, a mousse or a mousseline of white scallop and the scallop roe, and we just put that over the top. And then we do it with salsa fee that's been uh, roasted and cooked with squid ink, so it's black on the outside, white throughout, preserved tomatoes, and a miso sauce. So you've almost got that black cod effect of flavour, 
But what we do is we then put it on the plates and we put a glass dome over it and we smoke oh, underneath gosh. that and bring it out to the restaurant and then you lift off the glass and you get the beautiful aroma of smoke without setting off the smoke alarms, <laughs> which is a challenge in itself. But we do it and it is lovely. And then dessert-wise, we've got a beautiful fig panna cotta and we need fig leaves and figs. And there's a house about three, four houses up. As I was walking past one day, she's got this huge fig tree out the front and apparently out the back, who now has been supplying us with figs, which is lovely. And again, using local produce, we're obviously looking after the lady as well in terms of, you know, she's helping us out, so to speak. So make sure she's looked after. That's lovely. So a fig leaf um, ice cream with pistachio. Cambridge burnt cream we brought on. Ah, yes, I think we had to at some point. And Mm. it was just one of those dishes that... It's simple but beautifully done and we do it with raspberries so we do a like a, a raspberry puree and then we do fresh raspberries and dehydrated raspberries so you get different textures and things coming out with baby basil leaves so that's it for for this week we're also working on we've had french onion soup on since we opened and i've been reluctant to take it off but i've also wanted to take it off because i think we needed something a little bit more refined for the restaurant um, we've now moved the french onion soup on into the restaurant What's been really lovely is I've had two people from Paris, um, proper Parisians, who said it's the best French onion soup they've ever had. So I've kept it on. We're bringing it on into the bar. Mm. So, you know, pop in, come and have a beautiful bowl of French onion soup through the autumn winter and a glass of red. I mean, what perfect way to spend the afternoon sat in front of the fire. And then what I'm bringing on into here, we're working on it at the moment, is a lobster bisque with a, a beautiful lobster ravioli to go with it as well. I mean, I love a bisque. And again, some of those classic dishes um, that we want to bring back, but with a little bit of a modern twist without actually taking it too far from where it originally started. Mm. I mean, your menu, uh, the a la carte menu, is amazing. And I think people need to know that there is a really good quality menu going on here. And wow. And you say it's also on the website, which is great. And your website is just just so that people can check so it's www.veragreenman.co.uk and the menus are always live there so every menu that sits there it is running live also i gather you have got plans for things come up you mentioned at the end of october and i gather you've got a couple of other interesting things up your sleeves we've got the jacquard champagne dinner that's i think it's the 26th of october bookings are now open but they're starting to fill um it's a six course dinner with matte champagnes we'll be serving each course and explaining each course as we go through with a matte champagne somebody from jacquard champagne will be here as well to talk through the evening it'll be a lovely evening we are I hate to say it, but we're kind of going to do try and do sort of a quiz night as such, but not being a quiz night. It's questions of knowledge with a bit of a twist. You have to come down and find out. That first one is on October 17th. Um, we've got in December, we're going to do a Christmas market here on the uh, 15th, 16th, 17th, I think it is. It's the last weekend before Christmas. We're going to have some local, we're still working on it at the moment, but if anyone's got anyone, anything that they think is worthy of selling in terms of for that Christmas kind of feel, we're going to do all of the things like mulled wine and roasted chestnuts and all those exciting things and like a pulled turkey and um, bubble and squeak rolls with brioche and those things we will do. But if somebody's, even if it's Christmas cakes or beautiful baubles or Christmas decorations that you want to sell, we're not going to charge for the stalls. But if you want to come and do it, contact me through the website and say you'd like to do, places will be limited for something like that. And then we're also going to be bringing in the legend that is Pierre Kaufman into the restaurant in January. We're just finally confirming the date, but it's scheduled around the 18th of January. It'll be a lunch, um, and I'm sure it'll be something very similar, about probably six courses 
with the legend himself and he and I'll be coordinating the manual work on it together. What's lovely for me is for many years as one of Marco's head chefs, I made Peaks Trotters Pierre Kaufman for three years. I had to make the damn things and they were amazing, <laughs> but very difficult to make. But the finished product was beautiful. To finally meet the man and work with him who actually created it will be something quite special in itself. And each month we're going to have something happening. So if you look at our website, we've got an events page and everything's on there. Considering you haven't been here for the open as a revived, revitalised Vera at the Green Man restaurant pub, I think you've done amazing things yourself and your team. It's fantastic. It's interesting that food is such an important element in the pub's success. Another local pub that's reopened recently has chosen quite a different pathway to their success. More of that later. Let's move on to details of free food available in and around Cambridge and the information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app. That exists so that people's or businesses' surplus food doesn't go to waste. That's right and today looking at Olio for Cambridge shows us that uh, Will Run in Coleridge Road has chocolate and almond croissants to give away as well as tiger baguettes and batons. Whilst Shea in Hills Road has a pack of Turkish tea available and... Well, that's it. It's really quiet for a Saturday. But Olio, the app, will often ping you, if you let it, when a stack of items comes up for grabs. Yeah. And there's another free app which is very good called Too Good To Go. That has unsold food from restaurants and shops and it's often at less than half price. They don't specify each leftover item. The surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag and it's ready for you to take home. And that's instead of it being binned at the end of the day's trading. On to our first news break now for Saturday, 7th October. Today at Brewboard in Harston, there are buns and ribs from 2pm till 9pm to celebrate Brewboard's 6th birthday. There are 22 beers on tap, live bands, DJs and rugby on the big screen. Entry is free and no bookings needed. And on the 14th of October, it's Taproom Day at Pastore Tap in Waterbeach. The brewery will be open from 12 noon until 6pm and Meadows will be on site with a selection of cheeses, charcuterie and some focaccia. The next Node Drinks and the Modern Table pop-up is on the 29th of October in the Wine Rooms. It's a five-course dinner with no and low alcohol drinks created by Sam Adams. Uh, the next Foy Friday at Café Foy on the Quayside in Cambridge is on the 20th of October at 6pm. But we have heard that it's sold out already, but you can go on the waiting list. At Finboys in Mill Road on the 1st of November, there's a surf and turf night with matching wines. The cost is £75. At Market House in Market Square on the 12th of December, there is a Saffron Grange dinner with Nick Edwards, director of Saffron Grange. There will be four courses matched with Saffron Grange wines, and the cost for that is £95. Apple Day is coming up at Burwash Larder. It's on the 14th of October, and there'll be street food vans, a beer and cider bar, an assault course and tractor ride and it's £5. And there is an Apple Day at Cambridge University Botanic Gardens which is on 22nd of October and booking is essential. There will be more than 25 heritage varieties to taste and or buy, live entertainment, pop-up food trucks, local craft stores, various apple activities and experts will be on hand to advise on planting and pruning apple trees. There'll be also a team from the East of England Apples and Orchards Project to identify apples and your advice to take your mystery variety along with stalk plus the leaf attached. 
Meanwhile, at Culinaris in Mill Road, the first of the new season's clementines have arrived from Spain and Portugal, and they're from farms that run solely on renewable energy. And we'll have more news later, including news of some wine-tasting events. OK. Next up is Hanami. Now, Hanami is the season in Japan when the cherry blossom trees bloom. People travel across the world to sit in parks, brimming with thousands of cherry trees and see their delicate petals falling. Hanami is also the name of a cafe in Burley Street, and its walls are adorned with cherry blossom branches. In the last year, the cafe has changed hands, passing from the mother who ran it for two decades over to her daughters, Karen and Jenny. It's their first go at running a business, and they've been busy modernising the menu. It's getting better and better. We have more customers actually noticed us, especially like uh, young people from universities. They like the cherry blossom, the decorations. They also recognize a lot of our products, like uh, onigiri, those rice things that you've seen in Japanese anime or or TV. And the music. And also our music. (laughs) I love the way she got so excited by that. It's Studio Ghibli, of course, the East's answer to Disney. This track is a light jazz rendition of Howl's Moving Castle. And also, we also have some older, regular customers, and they like our new change as well. So we try to improve. That's very important for us. So a nice mixture of old and new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For us, we are new to this business. It's a bit challenging. This used to be a restaurant owned by my mother, a Chinese restaurant and a French cafe. So she's been here 20 years? More than 20 years, yeah. Uh, But then our mom wants to retire. So we take over and uh, changed it to our ideal cafe. We didn't want to do the Chinese restaurant. It's a lot of hard work. We, we can't cook perfectly, so I think because we both like the theme of the Japanese cafe, mm-hmm. yeah. My mum has made a lot of long-lasting friends, most of them who have eaten at her cafe for literally 20 years. They still come even though we've changed, but they also enjoy what we offer now. I guess for her old customers, they've grown to more like a healthy lifestyle. Really appreciate they still trust us. And like the newer customers that we've gotten, which are mostly university students, I'd have to say, they just look for like a nice calm place to drink some tea, sometimes like new tea, like red tea that we offer from China. The Dianhong red tea, most people haven't heard of it. Dianhong red tea. It's a gourmet black tea with flavors of strawberry, peach and mulberry. Or like the blossom tea, which is a bud of flowers that blooms as it gets warm in hot water. Yes. Yes. Yeah, people love it because visual is the number one thing for food now. If it looks good, people are more likely to try it. At least people who are like 20 years more as well, I think. So if you can smell it, you can see it, that would be much better. Instagram it. (laughs) I brought up the idea of making everything in our menu halal because I'm Muslim and it's important to me. Having come back here from university, a lot of the food that I found that was halal was fast food and I wanted to do something that was healthier because we had the whole Japanese theme. We then did poke bowl, which is Hawaiian-inspired Japanese. 
We found when people who only eat the halal food, when go out, especially in Cambridge, you just want some nibbles, some small stuff. You know, if you're not eating halal, it's fine. But if what if you do eating halal, then you can come to our cafe, so you can eat everything you like. You don't have to go to London for halal cafe, and you don't have to just eat chicken because most of the like non-fully halal restaurants mostly just offer like halal chicken items, or you just go seafood or vegetarian. But sometimes you want a bit of a different meat selection, and that's where the poke bowls come in. We're not selling little Pokemons, <laughs> that's for sure. We've had a lot of kids. Because we're on like a main street to go to the primary school,、mm. so lots of kids walk by. I was like, "Is that a po- Pokemon Pokeballs?" I was like,、mm, "No, not quite." <laughs> so let's say what they really are. So Pokeballs are more like a sushi salad bowl. You pick your base. Most people pick rice.、Mm. Do like a little stack, so rice at the bottom, and then you pick a bunch of vegetables to go over the rice. You pick protein, and more popularly, it's raw fish because it's a sushi-based dish.、Mm-hmm. But we do cooked versions of like cooked fish or vegetarian options, vegan options as well, like tofu or like omelets. We can do it sweet or salty style, and then you put sauce on it, so almost like a the dressing for your salad, and then some crispy toppings to give it a crunch. I think a poke in Japanese is means fish or、uh, chunks. It means、uh, chunks. Poke,、fish. like a chunk bowl. Mostly because the protein, when we're talking about fish, it's cut into little cubes. So that's why it's poke. It's more light. So nowadays, people looking for healthy meals, and it's more protein dense rather than like carb dense. Another item on the menu are chiffon cakes. She bakes them. Oh yes, I, 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 yeah. We do have like a matcha chiffon cake, vanilla chiffon cake, and the chocolate. At the moment, I only develop three flavors. For me, the chiffon cake is light, more bouncy. You can always add some cream and some fruit, but if you just eat it as its own, you won't find it's too dry. You need something to, you know, to to wash it down. It's nice and it's special.、Uh, this is my ignorance showing here. What's matcha? Matcha is a type of green tea. So normally, it serves as a tea powder. Matcha is very healthy,、mm-hmm. and also it's antioxidants. And nowadays, more people know what、uh, matcha is, and you can have like matcha latte, matcha tea, just as its own, and it gives you the energy as well.、Mm-hmm. Uh, not like a coffee, but it's like a healthy shot. Yeah. Yeah, because I noticed matcha was mentioned somewhere else in your menu here. Yeah. Where did I see it? Matcha latte and matcha tea. Also, we have a matcha espresso latte. We had a debate about whether matcha should go in the coffee section or the tea section.、Mm-hmm. So, like Starbucks does matcha lattes, but when you think of Starbucks, you mostly think coffee.、Mm-hmm. So, we found that like quite a few people put matcha in the coffee section when it's literally just tea.、Um, what else? We have matcha ice cream as well. We make、uh, that ourselves as well. Yeah, everything. <laughs> It's definitely very tea、um, flavor, very strong. The next thing that caught my eye was these thick shakes. 
So they're not like the runny flavoured milks you traditionally think of when you think milkshake. Our thick shakes is just a bit of double cream, ice cream, and then just the biscuits for flavouring. So it's really pure, really strong flavour. People who come really love it because some places put ice. It waters down the flavour. I don't like that, so we don't sell it like that. We just sell pure cream, pure biscuits, that's it. Concentrated once. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. We have a customer say that's exactly like what they taste in Japan or in Korea. Yeah. Is there um, a recommendation or two that, that you'd like to give to a new customer? A Pokeball. <laughs> because our Pokeball, you can customize yourself. You can choose the ingredients that you like. Okay. Yeah. I would say guacamole scramble. It's a bit different. It's sourdough, scrambled eggs, some guacamole, and fresh marinated raw salmon. Mm. I think it's quite different because it adds like a fusion flavor of your typical scrambled eggs on some avocado on toast. Added with a bit of an Asian flavor. I quite like it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for chatting to us. It's been uh, very nice coming along and seeing the place for, for me, the first time actually. And we are at Hanami Cafe and Restaurant, uh, just on the edge of Burley Street. Come and check it out. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, that was Karen and Jenny of Hanami Cafe at 39 Burley Street. And you can follow them on Instagram too, at Hanami Cambridge. Now, for first-time business owners, they are very level-headed and they're adapting well to modern tastes, which is helping them prosper. They agreed before starting that business and all of its issues will never impact upon their family. Jenny's tone was very serious on that front, and it's clearly working for them. Their menu works well, and they've got some fun winter plans in the works for Hanami Cafe too. We'll break from our theme of adapting and flourishing for a few minutes now and go to a highly regarded Cambridge restaurant that just never keeps still, Finn Boys at Number 2 Mill Road. And they're all off for a staff outing next week, so they're going to be closed. They go to Sa uh, California to sample, amongst other things, Swan's Oyster Depot in San Francisco, which is a marvellous place. And on some days, they're visiting up to three vineyards, oh, to be on the team at Finn Boys. They'll be back open on the 19th of October and shortly after that they'll have their tuna nights. I asked Finboy Jay Scrimshaw what to expect on tuna nights. Jay, can you tell me something about tuna nights that you've got planned? Since we opened we wanted to do this tuna nights. It's going to be an event over two days where we get a whole tuna and, and break it down. Tuna is in abundance in our waters, so this year uh, there are lots of uh, sardine boats and mackerel boats. They've all been moaning that there's too many tuna in our waters again, which is a good thing. But it's eating the sardines and Eating the sardines, yeah. Right. A couple of years ago, they passed a law that you, each boat can catch a fish tuna per trip. But there's so many tuna in the water now that I'm sure so soon enough they're probably going to start catching them on a larger scale. So you can sort of rely on the fact that you will be getting a tuna yes. next week or yeah. whenever it's going to in Absolutely. November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, haven't, we haven't got a date confirmed for it just yet. But So the idea is, uh, I think one, one day what we're going to do is break down and dissect up the, the, uh, the fish, film that as a bit of a promotional thing. We haven't come up with dishes yet, but, you know, there'll be some sashimi there, some something using the Otoro, which is really fat, so maybe grilled, whatever. So it's going to be a very informal thing, talking 
to Richard and I going, you know, we'll talk about uh, the different cuts of the meat and what dishes they'll lend themselves to. So we'll be using head to toe. From, we'll do something with the head and the tails, you know, absolutely everything. Brilliant. So, How big are they? So this is what I'm touching base with the uh, fishermen because we want one that's around 70 kilo. So that's probably the size of this table. Four feet? Yeah, yeah about four feet. Yeah. Um, but obviously they can grow up to 200 plus. You know, uh, they can really big fish. Yeah. Uh, but because we want to do it over two nights, we don't want to have too much left over, you know, so we're, we're, we're trying to get the right size for, for, for the event. Um, and we'll have some tuna to sell, obviously. We'll dry age it. And, and also we'll probably like get in touch with a few other restaurants in Cambridge just to see if they you know, want us to want to buy some nice Otoro or... How long in advance will we know what the... Hopefully by the is. end of October, you should we'll, have I'll know about how the catching of the fish is going to work, what sort of spec, you know, all that right. sort of stuff. And, um, and then the date will be sometime in November. Yeah, brilliant. And wines to match, presumably? Yeah, I think our wine list will complement anything that we, we, we do with it now. Um, but yeah, no doubt there'll be selected wines brilliant. To, to, to match, yeah. Brilliant. Coming up on Flavour, understanding how to get the most pleasure from cheese and the reopened pub that's thriving without having become a gastro pub. Don't go away. We'll be back in two minutes. Cambridge 105 Radio. Every Saturday night on Cambridge 105 Radio, Chris Brown presents Cambridge's original Saturday Night Soul Show. It's a fantastic thing. I'm Cambridge bred and born, and so I present my show and play my soul and dance music in Cambridge. People that listen to my show, then they'll go out to one of my gigs, and when I get there, people will say, oh, that track you played on your show, can you play it tonight? It's like a gang, if you like, that I've got on a Saturday night of soul fans. Chris Brown's soul and dance show, Saturdays at 6 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Rhythms of Southern Africa, a musical journey, is coming to the Cambridge Junction on Saturday the 4th of November. Brought to you by Shanghai Promotions, it's a Southern African music extravaganza. Starring South African legend Freddie Gwala, Afro pop star Shedi Malaika, the legendary Jay's Marabini band from Zimbabwe, rising star Nine, Aga Nayabinde and Lady B. Rhythms of Southern Africa, a musical journey where music and culture unite. Tickets available at shanghai.events or at junction.co.uk. And welcome back to Flavour. Let's talk about enjoying food, though what we enjoy about food and drink is obviously a very personal thing. And it's interesting how often when someone says why they like a food or a drink, it's the texture rather than the flavour that they mention first. And some products sell themselves on texture, crisps being an obvious example, but also beers and wines, which are described in promotional material as being smooth. And I wonder if it's partly because texture is easier to describe than flavour and a more obvious experience. And it's also interesting how the flavour of wine attracts so much more concentrated attention than the flavour of food with classes on tasting wine. Where are the tomato tasting classes or bread tasting classes or cheese? 
Well, actually, there is a juicy cheese tasting coming up on the 22nd of October at Meadows in Mill Road on the corner with Ross Street. And I asked owner Susanna about it and found out a lot about appreciating cheese more. Susanna, you've got uh, a cheese evening coming up soon. Uh, and I know you've had some over the summer tasting summer cheeses. So what's the theme of this one? This one is a slightly different class, um, which we're doing in, at the end of October. It's a cheese appreciation class. So we're going to focus on the differences between certain cheese recipes and to find out why those differences contribute to different flavours in cheese. Right. So what sort of cheeses are you looking at then? What differences are you going to examine? So broadly speaking, we can go off on various tangents in these tastings sometimes, but the plan is to try um, the different milks, so to get an idea of the different flavours that are contributed by um, sheep, goat and cow's milk as a start. And then um, we're going to look at different styles of soft cheeses and their different rinds and sort of get an idea of the different flavours that come from a mould ripened cheese, so the brie and camembert family versus a washed rind cheese, which would be like the more smelly cheeses like a poisse or stinking bishop. And then we're going to finally have a look at um, some hard cheeses and have a look at the impact of age um, and the different flavours that are contributed as a cheese matures over time. Right, so that's quite a study. <laughs> tell, yeah. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about rind, though. I mean, is, is rind a thing? I mean, some people don't eat the rind. Some people like the cheese that's closest to the rind. Is there a difference between the middle and the edge in the taste of cheese? Yeah, I think with most cheeses, they will be a little bit fresher and sharper towards the very heart of the cheese. All cheese is sort of the acidification of milk, so you will really get a sense of that acidity in the centre of the cheese. And then out towards the rind, you have the impact of different uh, microbes, which give more kind of earthy flavours. Um, people tend to eat the, cheese, the rind more on soft cheeses. Um, on harder cheeses, the rind itself kind of gets a bit old and sometimes can be a bit earthy and maybe it's it's not inedible by any means but it is just a question of taste and preference when it comes to harder older cheeses right but the but the flavor of the cheese does change as you get closer to the rind yeah it does do you think um, many people notice that well i think ideally when you have a slice of cheese you would kind of cut a a slice that gives you a, a sort of representation of the whole piece of cheese so from the center out to the rind and you kind of eat most of that in one go um, so you might not notice it um, but it is it's quite fun to kind of cut a little bit from the center and then cut a bit towards the edge um, and there are differences for sure yeah oh, right. okay and just tell me briefly about the ageing of cheeses, does that make a, a lot of difference? Yeah, so again, we're talking about the kind of acidity um, in a fresh, crumbly cheese, um, such as like a young Wensleydale or a Lancashire, where y you can really feel the 
brightness and milkiness of the cheese and then over time like towards one year or 18 months those flavors will start to mellow and they'll get you'll you'll get a sweetness coming through you'll get some earthy flavors and some herby flavors coming through and you'll notice those more in farmhouse cheddars um, and those will, will sort of take over the reins from the fresher, yogurty flavours yeah. in a young cheese. I wonder, I suppose a lot of people buy their cheese from supermarkets. So what age would a supermarket cheese be? Are they quite, tend to be pretty young? Yeah, well, it does vary. So supermarket cheddars will be sold quite young, anywhere from from like four or five months onwards probably so they will feel a lot sharper um, than a mature cheddar which will have some of that sweetness Um, things like Conte for example um, the actual uh, naming of that cheese so the kind of protected name which is registered with the EU will have certain regulations attached to it so you can't sell Conte at less than six months, for example, but our Conte is about 18 months, and you will notice a huge difference between a six-month-old Conte and an 18-month-old Conte. And so when you buy Conte at the supermarket, it will probably be a younger cheese and it won't have quite so much complexity of flavour. Yeah. Um, the reason really for that is the cost involved in maturing cheese. Um, so if you hold a cheese for a whole extra year, it, it, there is an, a massive amount of cost involved in ageing it for that extra time. So um, that's why the, the supermarkets will tend to go for a younger yeah. cheese. So if you're interested in cheese, really you should go to a specialist cheese seller like yourself. Yeah, and then you will be able to hopefully taste what you're buying and get an idea of what you like and and this class that we're running is really an an opportunity for people to actually discover what they like and and have a bit of an understanding of why they like it so to compare goat's cheese with sheep's milk cheese and to compare um, camembert with a washed rind and to compare like a younger Lancashire style with an old cheddar just so that when they're shopping for cheese going forwards, they can actually choose things that they like and they can tell the cheesemonger in a cheese shop what they like and um, find new things to try kind of based on on that information. Yeah, they know what to ask for. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think having somebody such as yourself pointing out what to, well, you know, drawing people's attention to differences in the cheeses yeah. is, is invaluable. Yeah, it's just to take your love of cheese to just a, a slightly um, deeper level of understanding to kind of um, explore what, why you like what you like. Yeah. And what's the date of the evening? Um, it's the 22nd of October, which is a Sunday. It's an early afternoon. I think we're starting at four. Oh, so right. It's so it's not an evening, right. Four till six, yeah. yeah. Okay. And you can book via... Via our website, so meadowscambridge.com. Right, thanks very much, Susan. Thank you. Well, that should be a very interesting occasion. Uh, And the higher acidity of young cheeses compared with old reminds me of the higher acidity of new season's apples and how they mellow as the months go by. And wine, too, younger ones often taste more acidic. 
Is there a common reason, Sue? Do you know? Well, I'm just doing a bit of research on this. But... <laughs> I'm I've your it's interest. not an easy question to answer, but probably best to ask a cider maker because obviously they go for different levels of sugar in apples. Yes. Yeah, it is. As the apple ages, it will become more intensely sweet because the sugars are developing even after it's been picked off the tree. So, oh, But they? I will let you know more research about this <laughs> next time. OK, we look forward to it. But while we're on the subject of getting the most enjoyment out of what we eat, let's go to fishmonger Ben Roberts. Ben brings fresh fish from Grimsby to Grantchester Street every Saturday morning. And I asked him for some simple and quick ways of cooking fish. Ben, could you give us some ideas for some of the, the, I don't know, the more expensive fish, things like halibut, turbot, that sort of monkfish, that sort of thing? Because they are more expensive, are they better taken a lot of fuss over with some fancy stuff or what? Well, you can, um, and uh, restaurants do do all sorts of different things with the turbot especially because it's such a rich and um, meaty fish and monkfish and halibut and things like that. Um, Dover sole and things are pretty much cooked the same everywhere. You basically cook it whole and it's nice. But I think most places you'll go to and uh, the better quality restaurants will cook the fish so you taste the fish because it's the star of the show. I mean, they will have a sauce with it and things like that, but to taste the turbot how fresh it is and how, and how you know and the, the meatiness and the flavour of it all especially this time of year because everything's really prime season for most whitefish around the British Isles are all in peak condition and so you, you don't really go to a restaurant and have a, a fillet steak curry you know it's it seems <laughs> that you, you want to taste what it is you're eating so uh, um, so the same applies to fish absolutely or yeah, absolutely. prime fish absolutely yes yeah. um, you can use those things but you don't you're just missing the the quality of the fish you're eating you know it's, it's it's a bit silly to spend so much money on something and not actually enjoy what it is yeah so what would you do with those fish then just uh, you can pan fry pretty much everything with a bit of butter and oil and things like that skin side down first like most things are cook it most of the way through and just finish it off on top and it's, it's beautiful yeah and you said last time that you can tell when things are cooked because of the, the sort of the whiteness of the exactly fish. yes yeah, yeah. you say it goes from a it's, it's, it's translucentness to the just cooked white i mean prime fish are, uh, are the ones that you don't want to overcook uh, and it's there's an art to it but if you do overcook it it just gets drier and drier you don't cook it so it won't get softer it gets worse, so it just <laughs> right. cooked is perfect. If it goes too far, you, you're not going to enjoy it as much as you should. Right, you know, It won't hurt you, but it just won't be as nice. And we'll hear more from Ben next time. If you missed his earlier suggestions, take a listen to our recent podcasts and you'll find him there, not on the 22nd of September one, but the ones before them. OK, time for a bit more news now. Yeah, the next Gransons Farmer's Market is on the 22nd of October in Little Gransons Village Hall. Food Park has a new site and it's in Tennis Court Lane and it takes place from noon until 2pm on Wednesdays during university term times. Flourish at Hildersham is hosting Off the Beaten Truck on the 28th of October. It features Gorilla Kitchen and Pizza Mondo. There'll be market stalls too, along with Meadows Cheeses, Linton Kitchen Cakes and Small Town Breads Coffee and Bread. It runs from 10 till 3. There's a new branch of Fitzbillies in King's Parade opening soon and Fitzbillies in Trumpington Street has extended into what, for a long time, was a barbershop next door and it's now the home of Fitzbillies Cake Shop.
Modigliani's in Mill Road is now running a catering service which will provide for private gatherings or corporate events. Alex from Bagel Box, whose bagels you can buy at Cambridge Market, has two classes coming up where you can learn how to make and bake bagels. You'll also get two DIY bagel kits and the six bagels you will have made to take home. The classes are on the 11th of November and the 10th of December and take place at Market House in Cambridge's Market Square. Now, there's a morning session on each day at £85 per head or an evening session at £95. The main difference being that in the morning you get a cup of tea and in the evening you get a glass of fizz. You can book via the Bagel Box website and we'll have our last news break, including news of wine tastings, in just a few minutes. Well, earlier in the programme, I spoke with Barry Vera about he successfully reopened the Green Man in Grantchester after it had been closed for quite a lengthy period. The Hoops in Barton is another example of a pub that has come back to life. Owner Neil Kirkland took a different approach from Barry's. I went along to find out more. You've just celebrated your one-year anniversary here, so how's it been going for you? It's been going really well. The pub was shut before we took it over and was a bit run down. It's come back to life. It's become the vision that I thought it deserved to be, which is sort of quintessential village pub, and that's what we're aiming for. Mm. I mean, the problem is, of course, there have been a lot of closures of village pubs, and as you say, you've brought a pub back to life. That takes some doing. So how do you feel you've achieved that? I think that the tide is changing with pubs in the UK. I think we've had a few years of everyone wanting to be gastro pubs and very food-led, and I think that actually since COVID, people have realised that the pub is the hub of the community and if you can get good service good beer great atmosphere then actually it's a place where people can come together again almost like the old days not quite i mean obviously things move on but the tide is turning back towards i feel the traditional pub You've been encouraging that by having things like bar billiards, which is uh, it's one of those games that you don't see in pubs so much anymore, and also music as well. I was at your one-year celebration with the most amazing band. So tell me a bit more about music side of things. Well, I mean, the Hoops isn't a music venue. It's not, but... I think traditional pubs and music go hand in hand and it's nice to put on appropriate entertainment um, that brings people together. You know, there's no point me putting on a techno disco um, because that would alienate customers. What we want, to, what we're trying to achieve is to, as I said, to get the community together. So by putting on bands that everyone enjoys or can feel part of an event that's that's what we're trying to do so and we've got the beautiful garden so during the summer it was great to put bands on out there unfortunately the nights are drawing in and it's getting colder so we bought the band for the anniversary in inside and of course in the summer you have quirky welly wanging this year is 50 years of welly wanging at the hoops which <laughs> I'd never heard of Welly Wanging before I took the pub on, but it, it's, it's, again, it's a great day. It brings out from small children to 
old age pensioners who want to chuck a welly around the garden and see how far they can throw it. It is a proper village pub and I think the village are so grateful about the fact that you have breathed total new life and you know flowers and a pleasant atmosphere and everything into the pub it is lovely. It used to stand outside you know when I was sort of doing my research into what was going on around and I, I just had a picture of what it should look like you know, it was quite run down and it, it you know, it, it wasn't in the best state of repair. And I just had to go with that vision in my head. And it was, it, it, it just screamed out. It needed some TLC, but it did. It is, if you look at the building, it is what you would tell a tourist a British pub looks like, a British village pub looks like and it is a lovely, lovely building it's in a lovely it's a beautiful village and it's, it's just lovely it, 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 it makes me smile just to see it and to see it now, you know coming back to its former glory it, it, it's, it's, it's heartwarming to be honest mm. And it's been a pub, I mean how long has it been a pub for? I think it was from 1730 odd when it was first a pub. So, it's, I mean, it's got massive history and it just, yeah, it's just a wonderful building. Lastly, the beer, which is the most important part of a pub. What is your view on beers, real ales and so on? I think real ales have been in decline, funnily enough, recently with the advent of craft beers and things like that. But there's still a massive following for you know with camera and everyone else and i i don't like to be although we are a green king tenancy and we're tied to green king they have very kindly given me a seba license which is a small independent brewing association license so we have more options than regularly when i took over having two regular reels to now we have five on at a time so you know we are we're selling some real now and it's going really well that is impressive yeah that's a pretty good throughput and it, it shows the fact that you are being very successful and you're only a year old as it were yeah. which is fantastic well you know it's been a lot of hard work a lot of people have put in a, a lot of hard not only my children but uh, other staff put in lots of hard work if they take pride in the pub and they are involved in not just the day-to-day pulling the pints, but the, some of the decision-making, I'm a firm believer in best assets of your staff. And I think if you utilise them and, you know, they've all got ideas and they've all got thoughts. And um, so I'm, I'm very open to what they suggest. They're fabulous. They've been a fabulous team. And I, I couldn't have done it without their support, so credit to them. Have you got any plans for Halloween coming up? I have. Trick-or-treating for the children last year. They, were, they came in and got sweets. This year, I, I want to do something a bit bigger. I would like to use the garden and, again, get the, the local villagers involved. I haven't quite worked out the finer details of it yet, but... Um, mm. But there will be an event, definitely. Mm, it's a case of watch this space. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, more good things to look forward to. Thanks, Neil Kirkland of the Hoops in Barton. 
Our final news briefing for today begins in Congratulations Corner and huge congratulations to Marcus Clayton from Vanderlyle for being in the final of the San Pellegrino Young Chef of the Year Award. It was held in Milan on Wednesday and Thursday and the result was a win for Portuguese chef Nelson Freitas with his signature dish of crispy red mullet, sea urchin and homemade black garlic. But what an achievement for Marcus to get to the final on behalf of the UK and congratulations to Vanderlyle were Marcus chefs for supporting him. And congratulations too to Calvillies for appearing in the Good Beer Guide for the first time and to the Queen's Head in Newton for being in it yet again. It's one of the very few pubs in the country that has been in every edition since the guide began. Other pubs listed for the first time include the Blue Ball in Granchester, the Alexandra Arms right here in Guider Street, the Elm Tree in Orchard Street and Chequers in Falmere. Congratulations, too, to Chong Chong Bo at Amphora in Devonshire Road, which has won in one category in the Decanter Awards, Best Newcomer, and is a runner-up in Best Specialist Retailer, Central and Eastern Europe. Congratulations also to Cambridge Wine Merchants for being awarded Best Regional Multi-Store Wine Retailer, Central England, and Best Specialist Retailer, Sweet and Fortified Wines. And finally, congratulations to Scott's All Day for being shortlisted for the Independent Pizza Restaurant of the Year Award. The winner will be announced on the 9th of November. Wine news now, beginning with tastings coming up at Amphora. There is a blind wine tasting tutorial with five reds and five whites on Sunday the 22nd of October. That's at 3pm and it costs £40. It's aimed at beginners and for enthusiasts who welcome a bit more practice. On the 25th of October, there's a tasting of Pinot Noir with wines from France, Moldova, USA and Australia and that's £38. On the 1st of November, a tasting of Bordeaux wines. At the wine rooms in Hills Road on the 12th of October, a tasting of Pesac Lyonnan wines from Bordeaux. Seven wines will be tasted and the cost is £30. The evening runs from 7pm until 8.30. On 19th of October, there's a tasting of vermouths and spirits from Vault Aperitivo in Saffron Walden. That is £15. On 26th October, a tasting of Jura wines, which will cost £30. And on the 10th of October at Market House in Market Square, Bill Brogan is running an autumn wine tasting event in which he will guide you through a tasting of six wines. You can book for that on the Market House website. And Bill is also running a Christmas wine tasting. That's on the 10th of November at 6pm, where there will be a tasting of six wines. That'll cost you £38. And that is all the news for today. But here's a quick update from social media. Yeah, not a huge amount on social media this morning, but Bushelbox Farm has posted... They've posted a list of what apples they have at the moment, and it's a, such an impressive list. Worcester Permain, Greensleeves, Royal Gala, Red Windsor, Lord Lambourne, Robin, Red Devil, Estervale, Honeycrisp, Cox, Bloody Ploughman, and my favourite, Ashmead's Colonel, and the cooking apples, Arthur Turner, Bramley and Howgate Wonder. Extraordinary. Culinaris has sent a message on Instagram saying it has a tasting today in the shop of Swiss cheeses. So go along and sample a few Swiss cheeses.
There's Green Onions introducing our roundup of local jobs, beginning in with Dolcedo in Eddington, which is opening its restaurant at the end of this year, and it has a number of full-time posts. Relevant background experience is essential. The posts are head chef, front of house manager, head pastry chef, and pastry chef. And for more information on those and to apply, just email dolcedopatisserie at icloud.com. At Restaurant 22, there are vacancies for front of house staff and for sommeliers at all levels. Hot Numbers has vacancies for front of house team members and baristas. Send a CV with a covering letter to recruitment at hotnumberscoffee.co.uk. And finally, Cam's Cuisine has vacancies for a head chef at the Crown and Punch Bowl in Horningsea, assistant manager at the Cock in Hammingford Grey and at the Three Horseshoes in Maddingley and also at the Royal Oak in Barrington. To apply or for more information, just email recruitment at camscuisine.com. All of which brings us to the end of today's programme. And you can catch Flavour on alternate Saturdays at 12 noon. We're repeated on Mondays at 6pm and Thursdays at 2pm. And Flavour will, of course, also be available as a podcast early next week. Coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today at 1pm is the Gadget Guide with Rob and Lawrence. But that's all from us. We'll be back on the 21st of October with lots more food and drink news, jobs and features. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram at Flavour. 105 and we still use X occasionally where we are also at Flavor 105. But until the 21st of October, goodbye. goodbye. Bye.